Well, hello, America. How are you doing today? It's a great day, and we want to talk about, I'm going to entitle this, Life Goes On. In the third or fourth grade, there was a boy in my class, popular boy, but his mom committed suicide by sitting in the family car while it was running in the garage. The house in which the family lived was located right in town. It was on like a major street. And if you lived in town, you would pass by that house multiple times during the day as you would go and get groceries or run your errands or head out of town to the big city. And it was such a cute little house. It looked so charming, had a brick exterior, maybe like a two bedroom, looked like it had a very nice wooded backyard that was private, very nice houses on either side of it. Um, beautiful big trees in front of it and a sidewalk and just it, it looked like one of those little um, it, it could have been like an a Norman Rockwell type village and yet in that house there was definitely an amazing degree of sadness and despair and to this day to this day when I'm in that town and I drive by it that's what I think about during my senior year of high school, I remember the morning that the word slowly spread through school that one of our classmates had died the night before in a car accident. And that tended to be, well, that tended to be very typical every year of high school as it seems like one or two seniors every year died in a car accident. Sometimes one in the fall and one in the spring, almost like clockwork. And that that was his time. He had been out drinking with another student and they miscalculated a corner. And his side of the car is the one that hit the telephone pole. And the driver came out okay. But he, uh, he had met his maker. And at his funeral, the local preacher for the first Christian church, who I think typically often gave kind of a milquetoast philosophical sort of sermon for one brief moment found his bible and gave a very pointed lesson my classmate was buried in the same cemetery in which my dad would later be buried in fact many of my people long gone before i was born are buried there great grandparents and grandparents my dad is buried right next to his mom and dad because they thought that he would never marry so as they got their plots, they got for one for him as well. And boy, you know, the thing that always strikes me about funerals, among other things, is life doesn't slow down. The world does not stop. World moves on. And when I visit my dad's grave, even to this day, I always think of my fellow classmate. You miss so much. Uh, he missed the opportunity to fall in love and marry and have kids and make his mark in life. He missed so much of just life. Now, I had attended the funeral with many of my classmates, but after the graveside service, I took off with some of the other kids and drove out to like a little wayside park on the Cascade Highway where there was a group of 
well, the hoods, smoking and a drinking, cursing and a swearing, spitting, shifting dirt with their feet. Now, I knew that wasn't the right way to remember our friend, but at that time in my own life, I didn't have any real direction either. And sometimes when you don't have much real direction, you might know, well, this is not the most appropriate thing to do right now, but at the same time, I really don't know what to do right now. And here's what, here's what kind of dawned on me. As previously noted, when you die, I mean, the world doesn't even catch its breath. And most of the world doesn't even take notice. Life goes on. That same truth hit me like a ton of bricks at my dad's funeral. Here, here was a man who had accomplished great things, been a leader in the community, even the mayor for a while. And yet most of the community just kind of went on as if nothing significant had happened. Basically ignored the fact that he had died. My classmate died at the young age of 18 and some of the girls cried, but they also went back to whatever they were doing soon afterwards. It just struck me that even when your end is tragic and you're young and in your prime, that you do get some tears, but then people move on. Those girls that cried at the funeral would stop crying and they would fall in love and they would marry and they would go on with their lives. And some would just go out and smoke and drink. Such, those sort of truths kept me really from ever committing suicide, even though I remember during my junior year, I was at a very low point in my life. But I, I saw firsthand that even when people, I mean, even when you die, and, and even if it's at your own hand, most people on the earth don't even notice or care if you're gone. And the world's not sorry. The, that funeral, that was a tragic funeral. There, there might have been a great lesson there about being a young person and not squandering your life and not going out and doing something foolish like drinking and driving. But I don't know if anyone changed their life after that, if anyone, if that funeral changed anybody's life. None of the kids that I knew did it, did it change their life. It didn't change my life at the time. The idea that, well, I will show them or they'll be sorry. Man, that fell flat. Because I found that it's not true. People move on. Book of a class Book of Ecclesiastes gives a un, mentally, many unsettling true unsettling truths, but one of them is that you will be forgotten even by your family. Yeah, like who's your great 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 grandfather? You don't know. I don't know either. We have pictures that we've inherited that we don't have a clue who that person is in the picture. And yet we're probably related to them. 
I equally would learn that out of great pain can come tremendous personal growth, life lessons learned, and empathy for others. James 1, after this event, years after this event, a couple years after this event, I would become a Christian and start reading the Bible and all of a sudden realize that, you know, out of a lot of pain and suffering can come patience and joy and character, Romans chapter 5, verse 3 and 4. It can have a cleansing element to it. It can help us refocus or get our priorities in line. It can be like a, a refining fire, 1 Peter chapter 1, 6 through 8. It can get rid of the dross. It can get rid of everything that's kind of excess baggage in our lives or the clutter. It can also get our thinking in line. And it can move us closer to God as we're looking for comfort. And also, it can also be a great motivator of, you know, as long as I live, this this life is going to have its dark times, its dark days. And so death is not a thing to fear if you're right with God. It is a chance to move on from a world that is so often filled with pain, tears, and suffering. It helps me keep my heart untethered from just the material, the here and now, and the earthly. Properly used, pain can help transform us into a real human being. I think of the Psalms. It's good that I've been afflicted, that I may learn your word or law. Psalm 119, verse 71. Well, well at that wayside park, many of the smokers, the partiers, the druggies, and the hoods were gathered. And in high school, I was one of the few kids who just happened to be accepted among both the hoods and the popular kids. And I remember on that occasion that the smokers and the underachievers, the kids in the instant gratification that did not have a long range perspective, were very insistent of claiming our deceased classmate as one of their own, that he belonged to them. They, 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 they argued, they argued that he had never really fit in with the popular kids. And even though the popular kids had associated with him and included him in their group, that he wasn't one of them, that he had never been one of them, that he was, that he was part of their group, that he was a hood, that he was a smoker, that he was a partier. And maybe at that moment, I realized that when you start that when you start drinking you say some really dumb things and i just considered that entire conversation so pointless well he's dead he was now before his creator what really mattered is whether or not he was on god's side man one good reminder that at a funeral where there are so many lessons just waiting to be learned, Ecclesiastes 7, like verse 4, or in that context, you know, the heart of the wise, the mind of the wise is in the house of mourning. That's the end of all men. The living will lay at the heart. There are so many clear lessons to be gleaned at a funeral. Things like, hey, I'm mortal too. I'm going to die. Am I right with God? Am I prepared? Do I have my ducks all in a row? Have I been wasting my life on things that don't even matter? 
so many lessons to be learned. You know, this life has a very abrupt stop. 99.9% of my existence is going to be spent somewhere other than this life. All right, what about me? And yet that conversation at the Wayside Park also reminded me that we can allow the devil to distract us from the obvious. We can allow the devil to distract us even when we are in a prime opportunity for a great learning moment. We can miss the entire point. Now, my classmate was like a couple of the other kids that I went to high school with that had a, um, well, not necessarily the same tragic end, but I would say a similar story, some, a, a similar challenge. He, he had been, I'd, 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 he had showed up like in junior high and in seventh and eighth grade, he had been one of the starters and stars of the basketball team. He also had been popular with the girls. In fact, I think he had dated probably one of the most popular girls in the junior high at that time. But when high school arrived, we showed up that freshman year. He was no longer a big fish. And I had another friend who was like that. He had been the star center in the eighth grade or on the eighth grade team. He had been dating one of the cheerleaders. Um, and then he quit the freshman basketball team because it was clear that he was not going to be in the starting five. Now, I was on the team that year, but never played a single minute. I mean, these other guys would have played. They might not have been starters, but they would have played. And I didn't get to play a single minute. And I was miserable most of the time. I thought about quitting. I thought about quitting really hard. But I resolved to stick it out. And there are times in life that you will find that you did not enjoy what you're doing at all. There's no silver lining that you can find at that particular moment. The freshman team was the last priority on the athletic schedule. And so our practices were at like 5, 5.30 in the morning. And of course, it would be like December, January, February. It would be cold, rainy, dark, big rain, big drops of rain, 39 degrees, just miserable weather. And my dad would go to work early so that I had a ride to practice. And I do not remember any of that being enjoyable. But there are times in life that you just need to stick it out. Because up ahead, there will be things that are not enjoyable. But a lot more is at stake. And you need to push through for the sake of your own soul, family, and the kingdom of God. Ecclesiastes 11. Rejoice. Rejoice in all your days. But remember, the dark days will be many. Well, that year was a lot of dark days early on early on in that freshman year, from September through about March, I would say was pretty dark. You were a freshman, you were nobody, you were a freshman boy. 
you were nobody. You were in a school where other guys had driver's licenses and nice cars and had jobs where they were making money. And you had none of that. And they could grow a beard or a mustache, you know. And there you were, just this little freshman boy, still dependent upon mom and dad. Oh, I wish I'd talked to them because I, I could tell, I could tell and talking to both of the people I've described, they both expressed their frustrations to me like, man, I'm not putting up with this or forget this. I remember that. I remember both of them expressing their frustrations with the team and their lack of playing time. I should have had something wise to say. I should have said, hang in there, hang in there. Because by, by April, by April, basketball season was over. It was starting to dry out. The sun was coming out. And baseball started. And I could play baseball. And I started on the baseball team. And then I had a job that summer. And I started making money. And I you know, was gaining some independence. And by the, by, you know, and, uh, yeah, you know, I, I would get my permit. I would get my permit. And by the next year, by the next year, you would have your driver's license. Sophomore year, you would have your driver's license. And you would be making money. And not only that, but if I could just have told both those guys, yeah, this year is going to be hard and you're not going to play months. But guess what? Next year, they're going to have a sophomore basketball team, and the coach is going to the coach is going to be very, be very much a run and gun, relaxed type of coach. And we're going to go like eighteen and three that year. And even I will get playing time, and even I will like score eight points in a game. And it's going to be a great year. Yeah, the days of darkness are now. But a great year is up ahead. And not only that, but a great eternity is up ahead as well. Yeah, people forget the world moves on, but God doesn't forget. He knows those who are his and nothing happens, not even the death of a single sparrow without his care and attention. If right now, if you're in one of the dark times, I've been there. The light is up ahead. The light is up ahead. Until next time, this is Mark Dunnigan for The Daily Answer. We'll see you in the funny papers.